baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of former Detroit Tigers star Dan Petrie and a lot of other crap. Okay, I just want to say I'm a little I'm a little giddy right now for for reasons that well I, it may sound contradictory for someone who's in the Silicon Valley. The Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA title. They upset the defending world champion. Golden State Warriors. And there are going to be people who say, like, ah, oh, that just shows you the Warriors are not as good as the Bulls and blah, 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 blah. Players are always better. Athletes are always better. This Warrior team could beat any team in history. Stop being an old fart on the, the rocking on your chair in the porch, okay? Steph Curry is a great player. This is a great team. They did great things. Now, I am not a Golden State Warrior fan. I don't dislike the Golden State Warriors, but I'm, I can't sit here and say, oh, they're my team. My team's the Boston Celtics. But I happen to like LeBron James. I do. Don't worry, I'm bringing this back to baseball. This is all this will come back. Don't you worry. I like LeBron James. I don't understand these people who try to say, oh, he's not Jordan. He's no Jordan. No, he's LeBron. Those people who go like, oh, he's not Jordan. I mean, do you, are these are people who watch like a Coen Brothers film and say, oh, well, they're not Scorsese. Let me tell you, they're not Scorsese. Well, no, they're not. They're different. They're great in different ways. Why does there have to be this mentality of, are you the greatest of all time? No? Well, then you suck. I mean, that, that's really, I mean, they're, they're both great. They're both all-time greats, and they're both multiple champions. This is the sixth straight year we've had an NBA Finals that LeBron James has been in. He was in another one. And he's won three now with two different franchises. You know, I think this adds, this is a button to his narrative, which I, you know, I don't know what anyone can say about him now. If you have criticism, if you're going to say, hey, let me tell you, here's what's wrong with LeBron James, just pick up the nearest ruler and smack yourself in the face with it. Because you're just being dumb. And history will not just laugh at you, but they'll laugh at your ancestors. So knock it off. I'm happy that the Cavaliers won. I'm happy for several reasons. Not just because it puts a button on the LeBron thing. But it creates a nice ending for Cleveland. Now, i got to be careful of how I'm going to say this. I'm standing up while I'm doing this. I hope you understand it. And I hope you understand that there may, yeah, there may be a few sound problems, tech problems on today's podcast. But do you know what? I don't care, nor should you. All right? What am I, Phil Spector? What am I going to be What am I doing? What am I creating the wall of sound here? I'm just doing a podcast talking about Cleveland while in the Silicon Valley. That's weird. But... I'm going to be careful when I talk about things like, you know, relieve the suffering of the people of Cleveland. Because intellectually, I know that this isn't going to change anything. We're not going to look up and see all the industry suddenly show up in Cleveland. We're not going to see factories open. People, 
Cavalier fans who are celebrating right now aren't going to go to their bank account and say, oh my God, there's an additional $70,000 here. I get that. Your pal Sully is a lunatic, but I'm not an idiot. And I get that this sort of hero worship and associating the psyche of a city with the, the existence of the sports team is part of a psychological element of our culture that allows hucksters to take advantage of that emotion. And by saying that, I could say, oh, it's the whole, I'll move the team unless you taxpayers build me a new stadium. And they could say things like, oh, the civic pride, no mayor wants to be the mayor if a team leaves town. Because, oh, look at that, they left on his watch. Oh, we had a baseball team and now we don't, blah, 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 blah. I get that that emotion and tying too much to the success of a sports team in the sports franchise can lead to people taking advantages, taking advantage, sorry, uh, I'm not going to cut that out, of a city and of taxpayers. And, you know, I don't want publicly funded stadiums. That's an insanely stupid idea. You know, we should be using public funds for our schools, to pave the damn roads, to make sure there's no crap in the water, to make sure we have firemen, to make sure we have police officers, to make sure that the potholes are fixed, to make sure the infrastructure of the city works. That's what it should be used for, not for building a palace for a billionaire. If it's such a great deal, it's a great money deal, then you build it. It improves the economy around where the stadium is. Bull crap. That's true for like three stadiums. Like three, you can make a case for that. For most of it is the, the businesses around the stadium. No, there's no, there's no impact. No, people don't hang around with a few exceptions. So I understand that there is a, a tendency of exaggerating and, and putting a dangerous amount of emphasis on the effect of a championship and the psyche of a city. But with that being said, I want the people of Cleveland to savor what just happened. To just have a moment beyond just the joy of, my team won! All right. And then you look and say, well, there hasn't been a championship here since 1964. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Back when it was the NFL title, not the Super Bowl title, because there was no damn Super Bowl yet. And the, I get why that's such a wonderful feeling. Trust me. I'm a Red Sox fan. And I'm a Red Sox fan who's moved around a lot. We moved from Massachusetts after the 86 World Series. That's not why we moved. That just is one of the, the timing of it worked out. And I do believe that while maybe people realized it had been since 1918 since the Red Sox had won a World Series, I think it entered the national consciousness when the Red Sox lost in 1986 because they lost so spectacularly that it made people look back and go, oh my God, it's been that long and look at how they lose. As erroneous as 
the blame for Bill Buckner has been, as I said, if you blame Bill Buckner for the 86 World Series, you are incorrect. They could not have won the World Series if he made that play because the game was tied. And when the ball went through his legs, there was a seventh game. So if you blame Bill Buckner for the 86 World Series, it's because you are an idiot. But we also can't escape the narrative. We can't escape the sports narrative of our teams. We can't. If you are a Red Sox fan, it was 1918. Just like if you're now a Tampa Bay Ray fan, the identity of your team is, uh, no one goes to your games, you play in a lousy stadium, it's empty, you don't even deserve a team. You may hate that. You may have all sorts of reasons to refute that, but that's the identity of your team. The identity of the Cubs is Billy Goats and Curses and Bartman. The identity of the uh, Dodgers is team, you know, ambivalent fan base showing up late and leaving early. You may have reasons to refute that, but you can't escape the narrative of your team. And the narrative of all Cleveland teams, it's unique. Probably only San Diego and Buffalo you can look at in a similar light and nowhere as strong as Cleveland, as the entire city, every sports team is linked together in sort of a collective Voltron of anger and futility, where it's the Indians, Cavaliers, and Browns are almost one unit of we can't win. Because you can't just show the, the Raider intercepting the ball in the end zone or the fumble or the drive. You can't just show that. You also have to show Elo getting the shot or uh, Jordan getting the shot over Elo. You have to show Jose Mesa blowing the save and Renteria's single off of Nagy's glove. They are all put together. As I pointed out, the Indians couldn't even win the World Series in the Major League movies, which were fiction. And that's gone now. That connection is broken because of what the Cavaliers did. And I'm going to make a strange analogy here. It's an analogy within an analogy within an analogy. Say that three times fast. I'm not a smoker. I'm not. I, I, I smoked a couple of times when I was in high school because that's the law. You have to try. And it was like after a play or drama you know, rehearsal or something, and there were some kids who were smoking. They're like, oh, Jesus, I better cave into peer pressure. I, I usually didn't, but for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe there was a cute girl there that's usually, you could tie a lot of my bad decisions in life to being around a cute girl. And I puffed a few times, and it was horrible. I even said to the person I smoked, I said, this is awful. And one of the persons was a guy who said, yeah, you have to get used to it. And I said, why would I want to get used to this? Why would I want to get used to this? Yeah, I mean, why, what's the reward for getting used to it? It's not like getting, you know, eating broccoli, which I think tastes like crap, but I've kind of gotten used to it a little bit. And the result is you get the nutrients and you get healthier. There's nothing, you get used to what? The tar, the cancer, the addiction? No. If I'm going to have something that's addictive and bad for me, I want it to be good from the, from the beginning. No one says, oh, here's a donut. You have to get used to it. No, bite down. It's a goddamn donut. It's great. But the people I know who, have, who are smokers, 
And I know many people who are smokers who eventually kick the habit. And one thing that they said, or I've heard several people say, is that after they stopped smoking, they, they realized that when they ate food, it tasted better. That they were tasting it in a way that they never had tasted it before. It tasted better. That, and this is a long way to go for this, I grant you. As a Red Sox fan who endured being reminded and seeing all oh, the Bucky Dent and the Buckner and the Babe Ruth and all this crap. Let me tell you, Cleveland fans, it's going to be like a smoker eating. It's going to taste better. Do you know why? Because you're now going to enjoy sports. Sports are not going to be this obligation that you have because of your region and the sense of, well, we got to support our team and hope that we eventually win, but knowing that you're not and having that inevitability hang over everything. And then when you get real close and you open up your heart to enjoy the wonder of what could be a championship, only you get kicked in the gut. You say, why do I do this? Why do I do this? It's not even fun. That's what my wife said to me. After the Aaron Boone game, after the Aaron Boone game, she watched because we were newly married then, and she knew what a big Red Sox fan I was, and she saw how just devastated I was after the Aaron Boone game. She says, why are you doing this? You're not even enjoying it. It's not even fun for you. And the next year when the Red Sox were in the playoffs again, she just sort of checked out emotions like, I know what's going to happen, and you're just doing this. And it's not even fun for you. Well, we all know what happened. They went up winning. And you realized the effect of it. It wasn't the moment of back to folk, over to Mankiewicz, the World Series over. It wasn't the parade. It wasn't handing out the rings the next year. Do you know when you really felt? Do you know when I really felt the effects of having that lifted? And you Cleveland fans are going to feel this too and you're going to realize like the proverbial smoker, that it's going to taste so much better now? You are going to experience the difference the next time there's a devastating Cleveland loss. You are going to experience the difference the next time you have that gut punch loss that makes you think, oh, damn it. This is not what I wanted. Oh, I can't believe we blew that. Let me tell you why. After the Red Sox won the World Series in 2005, they had a really emotional down-the-stretch run for the AL East where they wound up tied with the Yankees, but they wound up losing the division to the Yankees due to the head-to-head matchup. The Yankees won one more game than the Red Sox head-to-head, and they lost a frustrating series to the White Sox. In 2008, the Red Sox lost a crushing game to the Rays in Tampa Bay. David Price struck out J.D. Drew with a bases loaded and a base hit. Drew got big hit after big hit in that series. And if he'd gotten a hit there, it probably would have put the Red Sox, at least tied the game, and may even put them ahead. And instead, he struck them out, and the Red Sox lost that game. 2009, Jonathan Papelbon blew a save and... And the Red Sox were eliminated by the Angels in a weird game. 
In 2011, the Red Sox had that collapse, that epic collapse, that fittingly and with a wonderful metaphor ended with Carl Crawford doing a face plant, and then the Evan Longoria home run took place in Tampa, and they were just humiliated. Those were devastating losses, which pre-2004 would be included in the montage. They would be the new additions to the montage. Instead, they're just losses. They're just games. They're just sporting events where my team lost. And I moved on. Now, it helped that the Red Sox won in 2007. It helped that they won in 2013. That I'm not going to lie to you. But that being said, for example, that, 2000 and, uh, that 2011 ending of the year, which was the most crushing loss the Red Sox have had since 2004, it ended the Terry Francona era. And while that was happening, I was packing our apartment, because we were moving from our apartment to a house straight down the street. We were still staying in the same town. And I was watching the end of the game as I was packing boxes and thinking to myself, I can't believe it. And it was crushing. At one point, my wife, you know, about an hour after the game, was like, you know, what's the matter with you? And I said, it's the Red Sox. They they lost. They're like, pack that box. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to pack the box. And a few days later, I was like, oh, man, that sucked. Yeah, I'm on with my life now. It no longer was going to be part of a big, long narrative this narrative poem, this sports Beowulf that you had to endure. No, it just was a loss of a baseball game. And what you're going to find out the next time what I call the, the Voltron of futility, the Cavaliers, the Indians, and the Browns, the next time they have a big loss, it may well be the Indians who are off to a nice start, and in this weird American League Central, who knows where they're going to be. They may lose the World Series in a crushing way. The Browns may lose in a crushing way if they make it back to the playoffs. The Cavaliers could just be devastated next year's playoffs. And it will stink. And you'll be frustrated. It's like, ah, damn it, I wanted to win that game. And then you go on with your life. That's when you realize how much better it's going to taste. Because you're now going to enjoy sports. As my wife said to me, it's not even fun for you. It will be fun for you. Because you have removed that piece of angst. As people used to say to this Red Sox fans, oh, you want, to, you want to keep losing. It's your identity. If you lose, it'll be the worst thing that happened to you. No, it became the worst thing that happened to them. Because they couldn't fling that at us anymore. Being the best thing that happened. Because now we can just enjoy it. It tastes better. It feels better. Beowulf is over. There is no great narrative. There is no reason to show those clips. Because that's done. All that bull crap is over now. You can just now enjoy sports as a fun diversion, and people associating losing, not being able to do it, oh, you're from Cleveland, that's a loser town. As unfair as that may be, you can't control the narrative, now that narrative's over. It has nothing to do with the Indians. 
on the surface, but it does because of how they're connected. Now, if the Indians go on to win the World Series, then guess what? This is the greatest sports year Cleveland could ever imagine. And part of me would love to see the Indians win it because I love me my Terry Francona. I want to see him in the Hall of Fame. But now, Indian fans, Brown fans, Cavalier fans, all sports fans of Northern Ohio and those who have gone off elsewhere, as I have, from New England, savor this. You are going to experience happiness, go to the parade, buy the t-shirt, buy the DVDs, come Christmas time, just be covered in Cavaliers, world champion, uh, uh, sweatshirts and all this crap. But know that the real reward will happen at the next loss, where you'll say, huh, we lost. Oh, well, it's just a game. And it being just a game, and this is coming from a guy who does 365 podcasts about baseball a year, just tastes so much better. I couldn't do this podcast pre-2004. Do you know why? I'd be dropping too many F-bombs. And I'd be talking about metaphysics. I'd be talking about yawkies and all this other stuff. Instead of it being some loon here in a small room in Palo Alto talking about sports. Savor this, Cleveland fans. This is your life about to experience joy. And I'm telling you, it's so much better. Go to MLBReports.com to see the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. Go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, where I'm on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Saluting the fans of Cleveland. This is the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. And I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.